Welcome back to the Who Cares Podcast. It's Lyndon, and Peyton's actually not here today. We have another guest. Introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Michael, uh, or a.k.a. LilFuzz13, or Fuzzball1337 via Twitter. Um, and I'm here to yep. talk about... Um, plug, yeah. plug your stuff, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was just pull out everything. Plug your stuff. Um, um, uh, he had some questions about... Uh, reenacting yeah so michael <laughs> michael is uh he's actually a reenactor in um a lot of a lot of like reenactment shows right yeah um we have one coming up in may early may mother's day weekend um may 6th to may 8th yeah is, and uh world war ii reenactments um we have uh seven members so far uh we are a volunteer only organization uh with nonprofit. We go out to different we try to go out to different states and we try to reenact and give history to others and talk about you know what our units do what we did back then and whatnot so so where where where, where are you going for this we are we'll be in vincennes vincennes uh, indiana, indiana. Uh, nice the, we'll be over at the uh indiana military museum over there on sixth street road heck yeah um we'll be setting up friday night and then leaving saturday evening no sunday evening sorry sunday evening um well before before we get into that uh the third the drink of the night oh so i got a lipton iced uh peach tea and what do you got I michael yeah uh, i got the coca-cola starlight limited edition yeah that's starting that new coca-cola starlight it's really good it's really good mm-hmm. i've only had one and i i i mean it was all right i don't drink pop yeah i got you so i got you i mean i like to, i like to try new flavors of uh like cokes or mountain dews or stuff right. like that just you know, just to get that flavor. I like it. it says like I like how on it it says space flavored. Space flavored. Like they've captured they've captured like the essence of a star and put it in a coat. Yeah. Which I don't. I mean, I don't. I mean, when I first tried it, I was at work. I was on my break. I was like, oh, this seems new. And I uh, they had only the zero sugars. The zero sugars. Yeah, they had the zero sugar one, and so I'm like, yeah. Was that bad? It's it's they taste the same to me. The taste so it just tastes the same, just with no sugar. That's all it really tastes like to me. That whenever I do drink pop, I, I usually do no sugar. Yeah, they have they have zero sugar of this. Um, of the starlight. Have, yeah, and they have yeah. something else. I can't remember the other one. Um, well, I, I know they have like regular Coke Zero, like no sugar. Yeah, they have Coke Zero, and those those don't taste bad. Oh yeah, I I never I never really had those. Um, I've maybe only had one because my dad. Had, a, had like a six pack in his truck. Yeah. And I was like, I'm really thirsty. So I grabbed it and drank it. Yeah. When you're thirsty, when you're, when you're, when you're thirsty, you gotta drink, you gotta drink. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, but so let's focus on your reenacting. So how long have you, how long have you been doing I've it for? Been, I've been doing this now for three years, three, three years, years in May. three years in May. So, uh, how, really, how'd you get started um, in it? Isaiah. Isaiah, our friend, yeah. our friend, our, our friend, friend Isaiah. Isaiah. Um, he got me into it because he was with the uh, he's with the 84th Division reenactment and 84th Infantry Division reenacted, and they're based all over from Michigan, Illinois, uh, Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio. You name it. They're mainly based in Ohio. Really, but um, they go to these events here in Indiana, Kentucky. Um, sometimes in Illinois, really depends. Uh, we went to. Back in 19, we went to uh, Lockport, Illinois, which is about a five-hour drive from Bicknell, Indiana. Um, nice. And we stayed the night that weekend. Uh, <laughs> I got a funny story. 
it was the first night, no, second night, we were camped out Saturday night. We just got done with the battles. The museum's closed to the public. We're the only ones there. And I'm getting ready to relax and go to bed. The Polish, by the way, this is way post-COVID, the pre-COVID, everybody was all over the world coming over here. We had like maybe 150 bringing actors show up. Oh, wow. We had like maybe 50 Germans, 25 British, um, 25 Polish, uh, and like 50 Americans. And we had a really good turnout. Um, they they uh, they nitpicked me particularly because I didn't have the correct boots. They were what we call stitch Nazis. Who, who was, who was uh, nitpicking you? Uh, LHRA. Uh, they are the Reenactment Association over in Lock and over in Illinois. They're not really associated with LHR here in Indiana. There's there are two different associations with reenacting. Um, I don't really know a whole lot of information about it, but far as i know we're with the lhr no lhr is up in illinois lhra is what we're sponsored with so. uh so you got nitpicked because you didn't have the right i didn't boots. i didn't have the correct boots no um for but, like your for your, your army like for your, for the uniform yeah, yeah for, for the for uniform uh what we we have what's called uh safety and authenticity where they look over your uniform to make sure you're wearing the right stuff and ammunition because so you're, pro- you're properly showing off mm-hmm. um the right the right you know battle attire yeah Essentially, during, during during World War II, um, what I reenact, what division I'm in, we're with the Second uh, Armored 41st Infantry. Mm-hmm. If you're if you ever if you guys have ever seen the movie Fury, we are the guys behind the tank. I'm so a, we I'm, are. I'm uh, yeah. um, so we we are the guys that follow the tank in the battle, or we're flanking around it. We're at the sides, or we can't be in front because it's driving. But we're either behind it or to the sides, giving giving it basically cover fire. Oh, so you're basically me in Battlefield. <laughs> Essentially, um, like, <laughs> no. Our, battlefield, I'm a sniper. I stand on top of a building and start popping people yeah, off. Yeah, <laughs> I, I usually, um, me and my friends usually we cater to, to one friend. It's always driving the tank, right? But no, that's cool. Yeah. Um. So whenever you get to reenacting, do you get to like choose an army for yourself? Like, what armor do you want to be? Um. We um. Like I said, Isaiah did the 84th division. Yeah, he did that first, and then uh, our CO from Bicknell, his name's Zach. Um, he's a he's a staff sergeant. Staff. He wasn't in the military or anything. It's just his rank in his uh, in his in the company. Okay. Um, or what we like to call just a small squad. Okay. Because we have we have about eight people, in, seven to eight people in our unit who tend to show up every every so event. Um, his name's Zach, a staff sergeant. He. Uh, Trying to think, he talked to Isaiah his first event at the military museum. And he's like, "You can get all this for free, and you can just stay the night in one of my pup tents, use my rifles." So he's using a fake click click. He was using a fake uh, M1 Garand. Yeah. Um, and then Isaiah reached out to Zach, and they started talking, and they got me into it, and that's how. Wait, so you guys are actually using really real we're, guns? We, we, real rifles, uh, real guns. Yep. Oh wow! I actually have uh, a uh, an old rifle that was made in the '60s. It's a uh, 1903 A3. It was made in the '60s in California. Oh wow! The uh, the bayonet lug was cut off during production because mm-hmm. of the laws of California back then. And so, some guy I, I went to show up shows this past year in Kentucky in Louisville, and I went out, bought the rifle, came back, and then Zach looked at it a little bit. He's like, it's a good beater gun. And then I looked at it. Uh, I fired live out of it, live ammunition. And the, uh, oh, fuck, what was it? 
I don't know. If I can think of the word. The handguard. The front handguard came completely off the top of the rifle. Oh, my God. And the the, the front band went forward. And mm-hmm. because there's so much recoil, but since the 30 caliber weapon, so much recoil, the rifle, the, the wood went forward and pretty much put that top handguard off. So, and I was talking to Zach about it, and I was like, hey, uh, can you fix this for me? He goes, yeah, sure. Only for a price. I spent $175 fixing it. To fix, to, to, fix to, to, fix, to fix what was wrong with it, yeah. Get, to get a new bayonet lug, to get the right screws, to get the new handguard, new stock. Now, when you, whenever you reenact, um, do you have, like, on your bayonets, is that, is that, is that the tri-tip? Um, or is no, it like... we have, we, the 1903 has a uh, particular just one bayonet knife. One it's like, it's like it's like a combat knife, essentially. Yeah. But you stick it on the end of your barrel. Well, because I, I remember, I remember like, you know, earlier wars, they used to have like the, the broader bayonets. Yeah. That got... Put in the Geneva, Geneva Convention. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, those aren't. Yeah, no, those aren't allowed. <laughs> no, those aren't allowed. Um, but even the bayonets, we I have what's called a uh, M1928 haversack, which yeah. what we call the diaper bag, because um, it, it folded in like a diaper. Um, and our we have a sh- I have a sheath for my bayonet because you can't really stick a fake bayonet on there and actually hand to hand combat. You should like just put, uh, you should put you should just get a real bayonet. And <laughs> that, that's what I have. It, make it a real war. That, that's that's what I have is a real bayonet, but it always stays sheathed in my uh my my seat that I have on my uh on my pack. Um, and I have uh an original 1944 dated no 1944 46 wool blanket that's into the bag. Oh wow. Um. This camera that I have that I brought with me. Um, you guys, it, to, can't, so see you guys can't see it, unfortunately. Um, but this is a 1953 Argus 35 millimeter camera. You guys can probably just look it up on Google if you're really curious. Yeah. But uh, this is what they actually used uh, during World War II, Korea, um, Vietnam. No, is it is it functional? Yeah, it's functional. I actually have pictures right here that are. That yeah. I took out of it. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we apologize <laughs> in advance. But yeah. yeah, it's all okay. The pictures are on black and white. Yep. But they look they look awesome. Yeah, we uh, yeah, I took that took those pictures in September of twenty one. In twenty one. Yep. So during COVID, how did that affect your reality? All of our events got canceled. Um, our first event we went in twenty twenty. Uh, was a Vietnam event over in Fort Harrison, Indianapolis. Um, we went there, and we dressed as the Allied uh, U.S. Uh, we had no VC. Uh, it was just a mainly uh, a mock patrol or uh, as uh, fake battle scenarios because at Fort Harrison, we couldn't shoot because it's a local residence yeah. of elderly and everything else. You're going to trigger their PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what's weird is that in January, we're allowed to shoot there. We're allowed to shoot blanks there in January, earlier that year. We were allowed to. And then, so you, no, no, well, the reason why we didn't in September 20 was because we didn't have any VC. And you know, it was understandable. We was just, what's, what's VC? Viet Cong. That's, the, that's pretty much the enemy of Vietnam. Oh, uh, okay. Um, that's what I reenact now because I don't have the money to afford a U.S. impression. <laughs> but I had the money to afford the uh the Viet Cong, which uh were uh essentially considered the enemy but they were farmers yeah they're mostly just all farmers trying to protect their land kind of like say for instance the wolverines off of red dawn uh, if you've ever seen that movie I um i will suggest watch the old version instead of the new version because the new version absolutely sucks um the, the older version uh is when uh, it's basically w- what if 
Russia invaded back in the, in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, I've heard of it. It's a, it's a what if situation. And I'll tell you that I'll, I'll say I'll tell you right now that I'll say I'll put it on my list, but it's my <laughs> list that will never get watched. I don't I don't watch much TV. I don't watch much movies yeah. at all. But this is like I've I've always I, I've been to a few reenactments. Yeah, and. I've always wondered, like, while you're on the battlefield, like, what's going through your mind? Like, what do you, what's, um, what are you trying to accomplish through a reenactment? Through, uh, through my time during reenacting and all the battles that we've done, uh, the fake scenario, the scenarios, the battles, um, what they didn't have, what we have now, are earplugs, and that's what keeps our, you know, hearing safe. Back then, they didn't have that. So, uh, what some of us try to do, they try to uh, make it more realistic without wearing any ear protection or ear pro. And they will go, there have been times where they will go deaf during the battle and they can't hear a word people are saying, except it's uh, our leader, his name's Corey, and he's like a, uh, a captain of the entire, he's like co-president of the Indiana uh, reenactments or president or whatever. Oh, wow. He's our, he's our actual allied commander. Um, so we take orders off of him and he tells us where to go or he tells Zach where our group or whoever is in charge of their group, he's the guy that goes out and says, you go here, you go there. So or, it's like, really, it's an actual battle scenario. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, you yep. have your full list of command. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, at the, at the military museum, uh, we have a really small battlefield. The Germans are usually in the trench. It's over there on the right hand side. And we come from the fields where all the tanks and the half tracks that we have are all there. Cause we're supposed to come up with two waves Prelim, uh, preliminary wave of maybe just a normal patrol and then Germans come up and start shooting and then they come up back to us second wave go and everybody including the tanks and half track just go so you guys actually drive like tanks and we stuff? have an actual tank and an actual half track yeah that is awesome and they have you ever like ridden in it uh no uh because it's not my expertise <laughs> oh. again again we're the 41st infantry second army we are the guys <laughs> Tank. Um, what, 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 what we're considered we're considered uh, light infantry so we have we have privileges that the army doesn't um, you, you've lost your print your tank privileges oh yeah essentially uh, I'm not a full tank commander I'm just I'm just a guy just serving my country at his best so, um, is it like, so, is, is, so like the more battles you do you get XP oh I wish that's how it worked I wish that's how it worked 16 more battles so you get a ride till, like, till I can get my stripes please and thank you. I'm going to get my stripes so bad. Man, I'd be so mad. I'd want to ride in the tank. I've actually, we've actually, at, at Lockport, uh, this goes back to 2019, yeah. we actually had the opportunity. I mean, we did took this opportunity as we went to ride in a half track. Yeah, And that, and and I, that actually happened. Um, we, uh, <laughs> we were just on the way to the battlefield and Zach forgot his helmet. So as the half track is moving forward, he jumps off, books it back to our camp encampment, grabs his helmet, and books it back onto the onto the half track. Did he make it? Oh, he made it. He was driving. the The guy who was driving was driving slow enough to actually like, um, you know, have him get back on. Uh, I was playing as uh, as a medic. I didn't really want to uh, suit up for a rifle because I didn't want to clean up the rifle. It was raining, muddy whole whole shebang and i was like i'm not gonna dirty a rifle i just i just want to go and play medic for a little bit and so that's what i did uh we jumped off the half track and driver got killed driver slumped over and we're getting off the half track i get hit in the back of the head and i'm wearing a hel- i'm wearing he- helmet helmet jeep cap my wools we're getting soaked at this point i get hit in the back of the head and they ask me are you okay so yeah i'm fine we go into this trench 
And uh, I look, I look to my right. I have my squad here, and then we have like another two guys to my left. And I'm I'm looking around, looking around, and I all of a sudden I see this medic come up to my right, and I asked him how many we got, and he said uh, we have like two wounded and four dead or something. And uh, I look up and I see this old dude, right, mm-hmm. maybe in his sixties, fit early fifties, reenacting a, yeah. a U.S. soldier, and. Uh, I run up to him and I ask him, where are you hit? And he goes, they shot me in my ass. <laughs> so I shit you not. I shit you not. I said, well, turn your arms on and pat your ass up. So, <laughs> so the medic comes up. I'm not even joking you. The medic comes up and I said, give me a bandage. And, I, and I'm literally patting this old dude's ass. And I look bear? up. No, no. Hell no. Um, <laughs> just, yeah. Bear. Yeah. Let me just take off your trousers. You, let me just pat your what ass. What are you doing, step medic? Oh, shit. <laughs> um, and the next thing I know, after I look up, after two seconds, I see a whole wave of Germans with, with their own half track coming yeah. towards us. Oh, fuck that. And I booked it back to my trench. And as I got back, there's a guy in a, in a stretcher. Two other medics in my squad who never left. Yeah. Um, I come back and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Germans are coming in left and right. They're shooting. I'm, you know, boom, 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 boom. I I look over. I see our buddy Dane, who's our assistant machine gunner for our 1919 A4, which is a light machine gun. I'll get mm-hmm. onto that in a minute. Um, he jumps up out of the trench and he face plants next to the uh, next to the half tank, meaning he's taking his hit. And I am, I'm like, oh shit. I go to leave. I look over, make the mistake. Look over again to make sure. Next thing I know, there's a German carrying an MG42. Like so, hit firing. The belt wrapped around his arm and he's firing. And it's semi-automatic, unfortunately, because you have to have licensing for fully automatic fire. Yeah. Um, And he was blasting and they pulled us, literally yanked us out of the trench and told us to get on, like in German, get on your ass, get on your ass, get on your ass. You're being taken prisoner. And so I'm sitting there for five minutes. Next thing I know, this German's signaling me to go to this guy who's from 101st, 101st yeah. Airborne, and I'm starting to patch him up. Crowd goes nuts. You know, they're all applauding and everything. And me sitting there, I'm like, holy shit, is this what it's like to be captured by a German? Oh, fuck. This uh, sucks. Yeah. I'm sure it's sure what, ju- sure what the juice felt like. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Um. Anyway. But, yeah, we... um. We usually have our reenactments here in Vincennes uh, first weekend of May mm-hmm. or uh, first weekend of September. And that's when we usually have our World War II reenactments. Uh, we also do a Vietnam, as I mentioned before. Um, our unit plays VC. We play Viet Cong yeah. uh, with AK-47s, uh, Mosin Nagants, RPDs, RPKs. Um, you know, all uh, bl- all blank fire adapted weapons. Um, I know these guns. I played Call of Duty. Yes. Um, <laughs> you, you name it, we got it. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, but no, we, we, no, we we actually uh, I think it was uh, when was it? I think it was like October of twenty. Our first uh, Vietnam reenactment. I wasn't able to go because I didn't have the right proper attire, nor did I have the day off, so I couldn't really go over there and check it out. Yeah. But Isaiah told me told me some stories, and he was like, "Yeah, this happened, that happened," and. A veteran was telling them a story yeah. about how he was in Vietnam and what he saw. And um, my first Vietnam reenactment there was in June. June, either in June or in August of 21. And we had our, we actually had an actual Huey that was made in the 60s. 
actually oh, wow. fly over and drop off uh, GIs. Really? Mm-hmm. We had we had guys uh, drop off, and we're we just captured this guy in or- this pilot in an orange jumpsuit. And their objective yeah. was to get the pilot. Our objective was to take him and torture him. Um, so our guy who leads, uh, the VC or NVA, as you call, uh, he was a, he was a, uh, Russian supervisor. Yeah. Essentially. And he, um, he comes up and he's telling us to get the guy in the orange. Next thing we know, it's like, we're hearing fortunate son play in the background. We see the Huey come up and like, Oh shit. And we book it back to the trench. Um, and they they dropped off their guys and we're all we're all scattered and everything we have. Everybody's all scattered with AKs and Mosins. Cause we I don't have, we don't have any similar guns. We have uh bolt guns, which Mosin the gun is a bolt action rifle. Yeah. Um, that's what I also have. Uh, we were, it was a, it was considered a win for us because the guys had, they got their pilot in ditch. Yeah. And so they grabbed their pilot, went back to the Huey. And the, unfortunately the Huey was already getting set for rides. It was like a hundred dollars per passenger for people to get on and actually ride in a Huey. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the money, unfortunately, so I just sat there and I watched it take off. Bruh, and go, you, you go over, come back. You rain. reenacted. I feel like that's like it I is like, it is a scary like I will say, seeing a Huey come towards you when you knowing that there's people on it, it's it's a feeling. <laughs> so whenever you're whenever you're reenacting, do you like put yourself in the mindset of I an do. actual soldier? I do. So it's kinda of, it's like it's military role playing basically essentially um that's that's literally what it really is um, yeah those who are into it hardcore like they're awesome groups that go out and do full weekends out in the woods yeah and they call those uh tacticals um people bring what they need for three days like tents food water rifle ammunition you name it they had to bring it with them yeah um and they do it for three days a whole entire weekend from friday morning to sunday sunday evening and it's rough on people um that's why we usually do it at the military museum and we um we set up that friday afternoon and then leave like sunday afternoon sunday evening depending on you know what time the battles get done and when the public leaves um but we've we've done i've done it for three years i think isaiah's done it for about four now zach's been doing it for seven Seven or eight. That's how we got the position he got now. Dang. Um, and you know he's our, he's our leader, so he's like he tells us what to do. And Isaiah's our second in command. He's our assistant squad leader because he's been to more events than our former assistant squad leader because work and everything. Yeah. So. so whenever you're on whenever you're on the battlefield and you're you know you're taking you're taking commands. Right. Like, what's the process of okay? I'm shooting. You know, like, do you actually get hit by something? No, 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 no. Um, that's airsoft. Um, yeah. Uh, but with blank fire weapons, essentially what it is, you have to be a certain feet. Uh, it's what we call an MED or minimum engagement distance. Yeah. You have to be, let's see, you can't go past 15 feet, 20 feet in front of the barrel. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a shot or a wave of uh, powder that goes out of the barrel and it shows the flash and all this and that. Usually what happens is, say you're... 150 feet away or you're 100 feet away and um say you're shooting at each other you're shooting and you look each other dead in the eye and you pull the trigger like say one pulls the trigger before the other you see that flash you're okay so yeah. it's it's a it's a it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an arc code essentially um that's what fort harrison 
there was a German up in the hill, up on one of the hills. And I took my 1903 and I seen him. Thankfully, I was far away from everybody uh, who didn't get hit by the blast radius of the blank. Yeah. And I pulled my trigger. I reloaded. Did he not take his hit? Pulled the trigger again, reloaded. And I, I waved at him. To make sure, hey, buddy, I shot first. And he put his helmet up and he pretty much went down from there. Oh. Um, but it, it, it does take a minute for some reenactors to like get into the mindset of an actual soldier. Yeah. Um, but for me, I, I feel like... With me, I feel like I am in the mindset of a soldier, of what they went through back then, you know, early 44, no, mid 44, late 45, you know, we're coming into Germany and we're, you know, kicking the axis. We're kicking, we're like, you know, driving them out. Yeah. That's, that's the mindset you get. So do you, is it, is it kind of like a, a homage thing to the soldiers? Uh, yeah, we do it. Uh, we do it to honor those. We yeah. do it to honor those who have served and we do it to keep the history alive. That's why we all reenact. That's why I do reenacting. That's why a lot of people do reenacting. We do it to keep the history alive. Um, we do it for the people who have served. Um, we do it for pretty much any like anybody who's been overseas or anybody who served with the armed forces. That's that's why we do it. Now, do you know anybody who served in the army that reenacts? Uh, there are some people. Um, there was a guy at Fort Harrison uh, this past event. Uh, he was. He said, don't call me sir, which indicated that he was either a uh, a private or, no, he was actually an NCO or a, uh, a lance or a corporal or whatever. Um, he was actually an NCO, and we actually called him Staff Sergeant. Um, but there, there, we don't really, our unit doesn't have really a chain of command yet. We don't have enough people for that. But yeah. once we get like maybe <clears throat> 16, 20 people, then we'll start having a chain of command. That's just kind of how, kind of how we do it. Um, we have certain... We have certain uh, groups, like say we have a machine gunner squad, we yeah. have our riflemen, we have our squad leaders is what we have. Um, yeah. Our main gunner is Isaiah, and our assistant gunner is Dane. Um, they both fire the 1919A4, which was a water-cooled light machine gun, and it was during World War II where it got manufactured, and it was by mm-hmm. Mr. John Moses Browning. Um, he... They, what they do is, uh, it's a two-man squad. The gunner carries the tripod while the assistant gunner carries the gun. This gun is 30 pounds of steel. So it, it, it it's, is, real, it's real it's, guns. It's, they're real weapons. Yeah. Real steel weapons. Um, but we have to put, again, we have to put blank adapters on them to make sure they fire a blank. Because if you don't have the blank adapter on, you have to cycle each each round you fire. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and there was one instance where they fired the 1919A4. And uh, uh, Corey said, co- uh, covering fire, they went through four belts of 308s, which uh, is what the caliber of the gun takes. They went through four belts of 100 rounds each. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the gun jammed. And when Zach was uh, cleaning it, he, he took it took him like three weeks just to get the gun cleaned because of how, ma- how many rounds they burned through. <laughs> And it is it is a hassle, especially with that gun in particular. See, like, well, like, like you, you said, like an honor system for death. Like whenever, whenever you see four hundred shots being shot. Oh, we don't oh, trust me. Those those Germans knew they were getting hit by a by a machine gun. They they know they because yes. that they're hiding with trench or they're too stupid to peek and actually take a hit. There are actually some Germans um, 
that don't honor that code and they actually stay in the back of the trench mm-hmm. and they don't want to fight. Yeah. So we have to go into the trench and actually dig those guys out. Well, I mean, I mean that's pretty that's yeah. pretty accurate to <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's that's what we did. The war, you mm-hmm. know, whenever whenever the Americans were coming in, uh, you know, trench war, you know, trench warfare was World War II. That was, you know, World well, War II. Well, World War One was more trench warfare, yeah. and World War Two was more of an urban combat setting. Yeah, um, that's what Fort Harrison is to us. It's more of an urban combat. It's more, it's our battle of the bulge. Our, it's our bastone essentially. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, the military museum is more like you know a skirmish. Yeah. More it, or less, you know, what would happen in a battle scenario? Um, or what would happen in like say late forty four or late 43 of how the Americans would come in and, you know, take Germans prisoner or, um, just, just talk, we talk about our, uh, our history and we talk about, you know, what they would have done or what they were supposed to do or this and that or whatever. Yeah. I, I absolutely love seeing, I remember I've gone a few times Mm -hmm. and I've always loved seeing, you know, the, the sportsmanship out there. Yeah. It's, it's just a bunch of guys doing what they love. Yeah. All coming together, you know, sharing that history and, uh, you know, re- remembering the soldiers yeah. that served during that time. Mm-hmm. But like the best part of like reenactments <laughs> is definitely the vendors. Oh, oh yes, uh, that's where I get most of my blanks and or part of the uniform. Um, there have been a few instances where, like, say in the middle of, like after the battle scenario. And we're, you know, we're getting done and we, we need, you know, we need blanks or we need, um, we need something to help complete the uniform. We go over to the vendors and we just purchase off, off of them. So that's kind of what we do. So how, what's like, how much, how much does it cost on average for, let's just say, um, you know, you're wanting to get into it as basic as possible as big as <laughs> as basic as possible uh, my uniform in particular uh costed about 150 bucks What's just that? just just to get put just to get the pants and the shirt and the boots and the uh the little leggings we wear the gear on the other hand i spent an extra 75 to 80 dollars on just the gear alone it's not too bad no i mean you're spending 200 dollars on a uniform essentially um but for me I mean, most people, I mean, you can go out and play baseball and spend 300 on... Yeah, on like a bat or something. On bat, gloves, yeah. socks, yeah. legging, you know. Yeah. You know, you spend $300, $400 just to go play baseball, but like, you can go you shoot can, fake guns. You can go shoot real guns. And just fire, just fire a blank, just do blank fire. And yeah. Basically, you know, you know, like I said, role play like you're in the military yeah. for a day for a little over 200 mm-hmm. but... So now that you said you don't, you've been doing it for three years. Mm-hmm. How, if you don't mind me, I may ask it. How much have you spent? <laughs> do you want including the rifle and ammunition? Yeah. Or do you want? I okay. Because um, let's see. I think I'm now up to about five hundred, six hundred dollars. That's still not too bad. It's <laughs> not too bad. No. Um, I mean, but there have there have been uh, there have been instances where we've had people come in uh, and ask, you know how long did it take for you to get your uniform? How long did it take for you to get into this hobby? How long did it take for you to get this specific item? And we, we tell them, you know, it took for me, it took two and a half years to get my rifle. Cause I was borrowing one of Zach's rifles. I didn't really have my, I had my Mosin, which was for Viet Cong reenactment, yeah. but not for American. So I just needed, I just needed a gun to, 
you know, complete my U.S. impression. So yeah, and that, and that's what that's what I'm just realizing is you have all you know, like you said, you had um at that that one reenactment, you had Germans, Polish, mm-hmm. British, yep. Americans. That was that. Uh, that was that Lockport. Yeah, and every single one of those armies has, you know, their whole military system. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you have to you have to buy the language barrier is definitely something. Uh, the break that we couldn't break yet because they were all speaking Polish and everything. We oh, so they were actually they were speaking. At, yeah, they were at, they're actually Polish, and we couldn't really you know understand my buddy Isaiah, who's who is who is of Polish descent. His ancestors are Polish. He tried going over there and tried speaking Polish, and they looked at him with, "What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he comes back to the camp, and he's like. Uh, He's like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't understand I can't, a word they're saying. I can't speak <laughs> Polish. But he, but he was, um, he was, he came back to camp, and that night, that Saturday night, uh, I was looked over, and they had a huge campfire. Yeah, and they were all, they had alcohol, they were just singing, dancing around the fire, holding the whole shebang, and we're back here watching across the creek. We're like, huh, that's neat. Zach, can we? No, okay. No. It just immediately. Can we, and, <laughs> we get ready. I get ready. Dad, to Dad, can <laughs> please, I go play the Polish? Please, can we go over there? No, you stay here. Why? Because because we're, we're American. Because we are not Polish. We're reenacting. <laughs> we're, we are we are U.S. We are not we are not Polish. Um, so sit, sit here and eat your uh, <laughs> sit here and eat your <laughs> sit here and eat your fucking MRE. <laughs> yeah, go eat your can of beans. We actually had uh, a Fort Harrison. We actually had uh, pre-made. Uh, Zach actually makes reproduction uh, K rations. Oh, really? That they, that they make over that they made for World War Two. He he makes the uh, prints out the boxes and everything that say K ration, uh-huh. and the K rations consist of this, this, and that. And yeah. he actually does it. And we put what well, we can wear. Um, since it's late war, the uh, light infantry or us uh, as Second Army Forty First. We can wear what's called a mazette bag, and the mazette bag you can put anything you want in there. With a haversack, you have to strategically place things in order to get it folded just right. And mm-hmm. ice—that's one thing I have yet to get—is a mazette bag. I have a uh, mazette bag that was made in '45, but it also gets through late war. My uniform is of tan, whereas yeah. the uniforms during in '45 were all of OD green. Um, what we do, we do mid to late war. Or, Early to mid, mid to late. It really depends yeah. on the scenario. Um, we went to we went to Bowling Green, Kentucky, for a reenactment, and um, we got up at like five thirty, six thirty, because we had to get ready for SNA. Uh, it was like a two and a half hour drive to Bowling Green, and the eighty fourth hosted it, and um, they all stayed the night there that Friday night. Whereas we were just we'll just get there for a day. We'll just go there, do the reenactments, go home. Yeah. That's just kind of what we, we, we put up the fly sheet and just, you know, shot the shit to everybody and just talked and uh, did our battle reenactments. The first one we did, we were behind what's called a uh, what's it called? Uh, an M41 light infantry tank. And basically, it wasn't a Sherman like you see in the movies. It yeah. wasn't a big, bulky tank. It was a... Just a miniature light light tank against the uh, Tiger Tiger One that mm. the Germans had. Uh, thankfully, the Tiger One had no functioning gun, so uh, they immediately stopped it, like in the middle of the battlefield as an obstruction. Yeah. And they had an actual tank crew inside. Um, 
the first battle, we were behind the tank, and we were told to move to the left side, and our group moved to the left, started popping off shots, and I, I'm starting to, uh, we get down because you have to cross these, uh, yellow, this yellow string was meant, made to act as barbed wire. Yeah. And I'm crawling over, I'm crawling underneath, crawling underneath, I get ready to stand up, next thing I know, I see a flash, I take my head. Because, honor system, as we were talking before. And, uh, we're sitting there, I'm, yeah, we're yelling for a medic, uh, and our medic, who's in our unit, uh, we have two, we have one that's an actual doctor, an actual nurse, we have one that's not old enough to carry a rifle. Yeah. Um. He, he was like, he thinks like twelve or fourteen years old, and he's oh, out wow. on the battlefield. And uh, he comes up. He's about my height too. Yeah. And he's, uh, he um, he comes up. That's a tall, I, that's a tall twelve year old. Oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, he he comes up and he's patching patting us down and everything, putting bandages on me and Isaiah's next to me. He took his hit also at the same time. And when they call clear weapons, which essentially you have to clear your gun out of every round you have, and um, they realize the aftermath, talk to the crowd, yeah, and that whole thing. I get up. I have the rope tied to my uh, to my T handle shovel, which is <laughs> which is across from the pack. And then you have you have your shovel, your mess tin, and the pack itself. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The 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 rope was tied around my. My shovel, and I'm like, "What the hell is behind me?" Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, can you get this off? And he, yeah, yanked, he, and he yanked it off, and I'm like, "Yeah, I feel bad for him." I'm just gonna walk back to camp, and I walked yeah. back to camp. I was like, "This sucks." I'm done. I undid my, undid my cartridge belt, and I'm like, "Dude, this sucks." He's dragging around barbed wire. <laughs> just, I'm dragging around barbed wire. Um, and then the second battle, which I actually, um, I actually remember, I, I remember vividly, but I don't really because there was a lot of a. A lot of adrenaline and a lot of uh, excitement. Yeah. Um. What was this battle? This is just just another skirmish. Another skirmish. Another skirmish that we would come in. It's a big open field. We're talking maybe a football length. Oh wow. Um, football field length, and we are we're running across. We're running across with the eighty fourth. They got their jeeps going. They got uh, the tank, the M forty one going. They have a. We didn't have a half track. But the Germans did, so they had a uh, an MG42 on the back of it, giving down suppressive fire. But thankfully, the tank was there and knocked it out. Um, we were, the tank was to our left, and we're in the firing line. My my entire unit, we're in a firing line, and we're moving up as we're firing. We're moving, firing, moving, firing, moving, and we crouch, fire, reload, fire, and then we get up to like. 50, 50 feet away, there's this hay bale. Yeah. And we we get told to drop, and I drop. And I have this entire weight of my blanket, my mess tin, and my shovel. And it plops right in your back, and you and it's about maybe not even 10, 5, five 10 pounds. Yeah. Right on your back, and I'm like, fuck, and I'm... Moving my helmet around, trying to get a good sight on Germans or whatever, and I fire every one shot, and I reload, and then we get, hey, go move to that hay bale, and we're like, oh shit, okay, so we book it to the hay yeah. bale. We have, I think we have like forty Americans. We had twenty guys behind one barrel or one hay bale, and we had twenty guys behind another hay bale. Yeah, and the Germans are still firing at us. We're still like, you know 
confusion and everything. We I had a guy take his hit behind me, and I look over, and there's a German crawling towards towards the tiger, <laughs> and <laughs> I think the tank saw him and just immediately fired, and the guy just plopped, plopped dead. <laughs> and yeah, there's no coming back from that. Um, we um, sorry, we were coming back. We were moving towards the German position, and we were yelling for a medic. Our medic is with the 84th, who's on the other side of a hay bale. Yeah. And we're yelling for him, yelling for him. Next thing you know, you hear covering fire. You hear a barrage of semi-automatic weapons, full automatic weapons, bolt weapons, you name it. You just hear it all go off. I don't remember what exactly happened. I just know that I was on this hay bale, and then I look over, someone signaling me. To go towards behind the tiger, which is parked, by the way, with the tank crews. And there's a German who's saying, Nick Schiessen, Nick Schiessen, which means don't shoot, don't shoot. And we're yelling to him, get on the fucking ground. <laughs> and so and so this German, right, he's probably about my age, maybe like 19, 20 years old. Yeah. And we push this dude to the ground because we're, you know, reenactors. We're trying to get we're trying to get into the role. Yeah. And uh uh, there's, there was this, or Corey was there, so he was main acting allied commander of everybody. Yeah. And, uh, he was yelling to this German who was six foot seven, 250 pounds. Dolph Lauren. Oh my God. He was just hands up walking towards us. And we're yelling, get over here, move, get over here. Start running, dude. Start running. His dude's just walking. Language barrier. Walking, walking. And, uh. I said, Schnell, get on the ground, which means get on the, like, quick, get on the ground. And I pushed this dude, and he, uh, <laughs> he, he actually had a reaction. And I was like, I, I mean, I don't feel bad, but at the same time, I kind of do because, you know. Yeah. Well, no, you're playing a part. Yeah. And so we, uh, we moved forward. Actual, actual war. And actual war, you were dead. You would have been dead. If, if he wouldn't have, <laughs> if he wouldn't have gotten down. No, I, you know, I would have put my handgun to his head and pulled the trigger. Yeah. Um, but no, um, Geneva Convention, everybody. Um, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> well, we don't, we don't follow Geneva I, Convention I, here. I, uh, I was looking towards the half track and everybody's on it, thankfully. And then I move over to our, my CEO, who's Zach. I move up over to him. He moves me over to Dylan, who is our assistant squad leader, acting assistant squad leader. Yeah. At that time. And, uh, Next thing I know, I look over, Isaiah signaling me to this German. And I said, come is he here, Schnell. And I grab him, and I have my rifle sideways, and he's walking in front of me. And I'm yelling for this corporal who's has, who has all the prisoners. Yeah. And so I, uh, I, I said, uh, I said, you got him, and I push him over. And I said, get over there. And I'm running back to our assistant squad leader. And we're like, where the hell are we going next? Germans are captured. Where, where to next? And next thing you know, our major's over there talking to this German. Fluent German, by the way. Fluent German? Fluent German. And this so, guy's this guy's American. So these people are, like, these people really... Yeah, they get into it. They get into it, you yep. know. It takes a lot to learn a language. It, it does. And there are, and sometimes uh, with us, as portraying American, we use the simple terms like, come and see here, you come here, or schnell, quick, or... Because yeah, the soldiers would have known yeah. those simple mm -hmm. terms back then. Yep. Yep, and that's that. I mean, like I said, we do it to keep the history alive, and we do it to uh, tell people not to forget history. Because if you if you forget history, you are uh, you're doomed to repeat it. Doomed, doomed to repeat it. Def yeah, that's, definitely. That is, I mean, that's unfortunately what's going on in the world now. Yeah, where a lot of the, a lot of a lot of history nowadays is being erased. Yeah, and a lot of people are wanting to forget. 
Yeah, no, we which, which is which is unfortunate because like our generation is the changing generation. I guess you could say is yeah. we're, we're supposed to change the world. You know, we're supposed to do this and that, but we have people taking down you know Confederate statues. We have people taking down uh, or graffiti the Vietnam Wall, for example. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of us want a lot of our generation wants to forget that they don't want to learn about the Civil War. They don't want to learn about the yeah, Revolutionary War. It's not. It's not. And we're not saying that you know the things that happened during those times were good things. They're no they awful were. things. Yeah, they were. They Racism were. was awful. What we did mm-hmm. in Vietnam was awful. Yeah, but we also did it for a uh, economical sequence as well. Um, JFK was actually the first president to. Um, put troops on the ground. And then after his assassination with LBJ, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson go over and uh, put more troops over there. Yeah. And the war didn't, it, war lasted for 10 years. Yeah. Because we put so many troops on the ground and that's why we built the Vietnam wall. That's why we, that's why we reenact. We do it to keep the history alive. Yeah. That's why we do it. And I've at our, uh, one of our Vietnam events, we had a, we had a Vietnam veteran come up to one of us. And one of our one of our fellow VC was portraying NBA wearing the exact uniform that they wore, whole nine yards, See, I, rifle in, in hand, and the I, guy. I don't, I don't know how. I, don't, I do. I would not want to be in that situation where a guy that literally, yeah, he he has killed Vietnam. Yeah, he's killed Viet Cong. Yeah, he actually went there and said, "I would be there." I, is, there I is, wouldn't know what to do if I was sitting there in his enemy's yeah outfit. He. There was there was a guy this Vietnam vet looked at our one of our guys who portrayed NBA just gave him a cold dead stare cold as cold as you can be and uh, sorry we're good um he just gave him a like a death stare of he wanted to strangle him and he wanted to do all these things to him but then like he snapped out of it and he realized where he was at and then went on with his day. It was really odd, and it's really weird getting getting uh, getting glances like that, especially when you're up on top of a hill and with your encampment. Yeah. And we have these Vietnam vets come up, and they're looking over at our stuff, like our AK-47, so our you know all the machine guns, our bolt guns. They're all looking at him. They're like, "Yep, yep," and they're they're talking about their time in Vietnam and what they what they served, what they did. Yeah um and all all this and that so it's it's um it's an honor to uh reenact but it's also um how do i say this i feel wrong for portraying the enemy but at the same time like nobody else does it so who else is to portray the enemy if nobody else will that makes sense yeah because for world war ii you have all these germans who spend thousands upon thousands of dollars just on to get one uniform right Whereas VC, you can go out and buy like black pajamas. Go to the rule. Like, go like, to the rule king. Yeah, but no, go actually go over to uh, the shrubs place that's over there as soon as you cross the bridge, under the right. Is yeah. Like a, black pajamas. It's all they. It's all the farmers wore were black pajamas, and they did the uh, Ho Chi Minh Trail, and they you know fought off a lot of U.S. Marines, and army as well. Um, but the uh, but the Viet the the NVA is what we actually fought. The Viet Cong were just. A, the Viet Cong, like I said, were more farmers yeah. than actual army. They didn't follow anything. That's why we don't know who's friend or foe. I tell you, that's why Vietnam was a shit show. It was because we didn't know who was friend or foe. That that's why that's one of the reasons why we lost even in Iraq. What happened this past year? Yeah, we don't know who's friend or foe. That's why we pulled out. 
And that's why, you know, we have what we have today. You know, it's, it is, it is a fun hobby and it is something that I thoroughly, uh, thoroughly enjoy doing. And it's, you know, it's been a part of me for three years now. Hopefully here's many more. (laughs) Personally, I, I would, I would love to do one. It is a, um, I, I will say setting up is a bitch because yeah. setting up on a Friday afternoon and then going against like the wind, setting up your tents is a pain in the ass. Cause I, we had, we were Zach just bought the officer's tent and his first time setting up was in Danville, Danville, Illinois was my first ever reenactment. Yeah. And in Danville happens every year. We set up our tents and we, you know, cozy in for the night yeah. and it rains early in the morning. So you have canvas curling up from the curling up from the rain yeah and uh he was looking at his posts and everything okay and he's doing a mental note when he needs to change on his uh when he needs to change on his on his on his uh, on his tent doing mental notes and he's he eventually gets to it so you're not you're not camping with like ozark trail tents hell no we are we are <laughs> we are camping with actual canvas original canvas that was used during oh, the war wow yep my uh my my pup tent was actually Korean. Uh, it was used during Korean War, made in uh, 52 or 53. Usually what we do for reenactments, we either use reproductions or originals. Um, yeah. Like this, the camera, for instance, it's an original. Um, it could have been used during Vietnam. It could have been used during, you know, Korea. It could have yeah. been used whenever. Or he just sat in some old dude's basement and he just wanted to get rid of it. You know, we don't we don't really know. But this, is, this has some historical... Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Remembrance, historical yeah. remembrance to the item. Um, the every anything that's original that's on my kit is the T-handle shovel, which is 1917 dated, and the mess tin, which is a 1944 dated. Everything else is reproduction. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of people who go for the originals and yeah. actually wear the originals. My pants were actually original, made in 44, and I had to get them resized twice. Because I was back in nineteen, I was really scrawny, and it was actually fit me just fine. And then over the years, as I moved out, started getting a little tight, so I had to go to my, <laughs> had to go to my mom. Be like, "Hey, can you fix this real quick for we, me?" <laughs> we all know the pain of it's, yeah, it's getting a little tight. And uh, and uh, went out, got fixed, and now you know I have a have pants that actually fit me. Um, uh, the uniform, the uniform, uh was really uh, easy to grab because sometimes even at the vendors, they have the uniforms out there in different pieces uh, and different. I mean, yeah. Uh, I've seen like full, like I saw a German officer outfit. Mm-hmm. There's a full cap. I I've saw, I like, see everything. I actually saw a full Russian uniform for 20 bucks. Original no reproduction, sorry, reproduction for 20 bucks. And, and I was, and I was like, I didn't have, I, I just got cleared from broken back. So I couldn't really buy anything. I was out for six weeks. And I couldn't really get anything, so I'm like, I really want it and do Russian. Really want to twenty dollars. Yeah, and I didn't have the money for it. And I and as soon as I saw an ATM, I wouldn't check my bank account. I had forty bucks left. I was like, do I do it? No, I need to save. And so I had to, I I I halted on it, and I should have bought it that way. I could have started doing Russian for a little bit, but I was like, I I really didn't, (laughs) I really didn't want (laughs) to. Do another impression because I wanted to stick to US and VC because I can't really afford any more impressions like say German. I wanted to be German for the longest time. Well, what's uh what's one army that like if you got the option like 
anything you wanted. You could literally get anything you wanted for an army. What army would you choose? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> um, depends on what kind of army it is, what nation we're talking about. Well, like yeah, you're. Oh, and, okay. Like, oh, say okay. Your dream, like you're like uh, I want to do this. Um, if I had the mentality and the physicality for the armed forces, I'd either go into the air force or I go into the army. So that, because I really wanted to go into, like, I really wanted to fly planes at first when I was at a young age. I was like, I really like the old style World War II planes, like yeah. the uh, P-51 Mustang, for instance, or the Messerschmitt 262, um, or the P-40 Warhawk, for example. Yeah. Um, I really like the old style, old style World War II planes, and that's what I would want to fly. I wouldn't want to fly. Now, the only good plane I probably actually find a fighter jet would be the F-22 Raptor. I'm sorry, because, like, the F-16, fine, the F-14's fine, but the F-22 is just that just-right stealth-level plane where it can be under somebody's radar or do a strafing run and go home. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 what plane I would I want to fly, but if I were to fly something that's period correct for World War II, it'd be the P-51 Mustang, because it's got six feet to caliber machine guns, um, actually tore through armor like nobody's business, Um but yeah, that's that's what I would that's what I would that's how I would pick. Um, so like out, out of all of your battle, because you you've been doing it for three years, so mm-hmm. you've obviously you've you've done countless oh. Uh, reenactments. Oh yeah. <laughs> what's your what's been your favorite? Oh, that's hard to do. That's hard to consider because I have two, uh, Lockport and Bowling Green, Lockport, Illinois, and Bowling Green, Kentucky. Those have been my two favorite ones. Um. I, I, so so many stories from Lockport, so many stories from Bowling Green. Yeah, I say I liked I liked the uh, the story you told from Bowling Green a lot. Yeah, um, that was really cool. the one in Lockport. We were just getting ready. This is one from Lockport. We were just getting ready for bed, and it's a Saturday evening. We had a German out of nowhere. We're just I'm just sitting. I I didn't see this. I was just sitting relaxing in my tent, getting ready to fall asleep. Next thing I know, I hear Isaiah. The Germans are coming. What are you on about? Okay. The Germans are here. Okay, what? Paul. Okay, Paul Revere, calm, <laughs> so, calm so, down. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I went over, and I, I spent maybe fifteen minutes after the fact, and I'm like, "What the hell are you yelling about?" And he goes, "The Germans were here." They, apparently, the guy pointed. Zach was already asleep. He pointed his MP40, and he just went, like did this a little search, did a little search around the tent, and just went off to the 101st Airborne and just started chatting with the 101st guys. Nice. <laughs> and the airborne, I'm sorry to say, but some of the airborne just don't know how to take their hit because sometimes you put on a pair of jump boots and you know whatever you wear for airborne, you are invincible essentially. Because the airborne is what essentially saved us in World War II. It's what saved a lot of people because they were the first there, first people who dropped behind enemy lines before the army and before, um, before the navy because they went out and they jumped behind enemy lines. And if it weren't for them, we wouldn't have D-Day. We wouldn't have all these other things that would have happened back in World War II if it weren't for the 101st Airborne. So a lot of the guys who do 101st like to not take their hit. But some guys, yeah. I do respect some guys actually do take their hit and they're yelling for like their mothers are yelling for a medic. They actually like to get into that. Yeah, get into the get into the honor system. Um, but for us at Second Armored, we try to take our hits as late as the battle as possible or in the middle of the battle. Because I did, I took my hit early in the battle as the second wave was coming up. I took my hit early. It was pouring down rain. It was, it was actually starting to sprinkle. And I'm like, you know, I really don't want to go any further. So I'll just die here. So I laid back and I was yelling for a medic. And Penny, who is our medic, bandaged me up. And I sat there for 15 minutes getting sprayed on by rain 
waiting for them to clear weapons, waiting for them to yell, all right, scenario's over. You can go unpack your things and go home. <laughs> it's a Saturday. It's a Sunday, by the way. Yeah. It's a Sunday. I'm get, like I'm getting drenched, and I'm wearing wool. Oh. And I am and I am I'm just laying there for 15 minutes, and I get ready to move, and the battle, the prisoners are just coming to the other side of the crowd, and I'm like using my rifle as a crutch to get back and get stay in the roll. Yeah. And since they called, all right, scenario's over. You good? All right. And I cleared my gun, went back, I made sure my stuff was packed because that. Because we packed up before it started raining. It was yeah. the quickest we've ever packed up. Like, it took us 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes well, to get, it, to get it done. <laughs> when you're in the rain, it, it kind of helps. No, this bit. is before the rain started. Oh. This is way, that's like maybe maybe five minutes before the rain started. Well, that's and we And we, good. so like, all right, we got to get everything pitched down because it's going to start pouring down in a minute. So we folded our tents, got ready for the battle, and just went. And it was the quickest we've ever put it down. Uh, usually what it takes to bring it up takes about, depending if the wind's on your side or if there is no wind at all, it could take maybe 30, 45 minutes to set it up. Maybe to an hour, if that. If, if you if you have the help, you can get, get it done in 30, if you have the help. Um, but we do we do a lot, and, you know, this is just something that I've done for for three years, and, you know, it's something I really enjoy doing. Well, I'll say that you know, after <laughs> after sitting here for an hour talking to you about it, I definitely want to. I want to get my. I want to get my hand in there. Yeah. You, even if it's just a one time to thing, say, hey, <laughs> hey, I know, did this. Yeah, <laughs> did I mean, it for experience. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm big. I'm big on you know just trying new things. Right. In life, because I mean, that's what life is about. You know. Yeah. We're always trying to. You know, you spend every day. You know, just trying. You know, just trying to do something. You're working towards. Always working towards a goal. Mm-hmm. And. I would love to say, I was I've been in a reenactment. I did that before. It's just, yeah, yeah. You know, I did it yeah. one time. Yeah, I when I was when I first started reenacting, uh, I was like maybe fourteen. I was playing as a farmer civilian over at the rendezvous. Yeah, and I was like maybe nine, ten years old. No, eleven. I was like eleven or twelve years old, and I reenacted over at the uh, as as a farmhand over wherever, and I stayed in an actual tent. And yeah, the first time ever doing a reenactment getting behind the scenes of what they do or how they do it. And I was like, you know what? I really want to do this at some point. I don't know what I do. And then 2018, um, Isaiah, Isaiah got it through Zach and then got it to me. So now we have, now I actually, we actually got two. We have Corbin Arthur, who is our new, our newest member, one of our newest members and Nolan, who is our 12 year old, 13 year old medic. And he, I mean, they are, re- like I said, reenacting's fun. Um, it's a fun hobby, but it's very expensive. Um, to get you, just just to get just just to get the correct stuff you need, whether whether if it's a reproduction or original, you you got to find the right stuff. You've never heard of Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have. I've heard of, I've heard of Warhammer, but I've never actually I've yeah. never actually played it. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, kidding. <laughs> yeah. I think I've I think I've spent. Seven hundred dollars. Holy Jesus! Wow. Yeah. And don't and some of my friends they have spent, I think probably over a thousand. Holy 2, Jesus! But these the, but trust me, I understand by expensive. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand what you mean by expensive though, because you know I uh, I mean 
I'm a, I'm, <laughs> I am a I am a person of finer things. Yeah, I like to go out to eat and spend eighty dollars on fancy food. That's a, that's I, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, like I I understand hobby. It, it's really there's no cost to something that you are um you know that you are into. Yeah, you're passionate. Yeah, about. just yeah, but you're passionate about because I mean. As long as you're happy and, you know, you're making memories that you'll hold on forever. Yeah. You know, you can, whenever you have kids, you know. You can tell these stories. You can tell these stories like, hey, you know. I did this. You know, or (laughs) you can still be doing it. Your kids can come see you reenact and then you start like a family tradition of, you know, our our family reenacted. My dad actually uh, reenacted Civil War and he was actually cavalry and he rode on a horse and everything. Had a, uh, uh. Uh, revolver, a old 1863 revolver shooter. Oh, wow. And he used that and he used his, he has an actual uh, musket that he used for reenacting, for Civil War reenacting. Does he not do it anymore? No. He, he's been 20 years out of it now. Oh. But he, he did Civil War reenacting and then he just lost interest in it and basically, I think he sold his uniform, I think, but he still has like his powder keg. He still has like his mini, his like, his powder that he uses. He's got you know, his ammunition that yeah. he uses. He still has all that. But he he did um he did some war reenacting for maybe ten years and he just lost interest. Um Do you think you're gonna you think, you think Oh lose no, interest? absolutely not. No. I think I'm gonna stick to this for at least another five, six years at least. Well you're only nineteen. Uh, I'm, right? No, I'm actually I'm twenty two. Oh jeez. <laughs> so oh, I, geez. I, I have plan on doing this maybe for you know the rest. I have a life lifetime insurance for reenacting so like i can stop whenever i can keep going you know it really depends yeah it really depends on how i'm feeling um or what i'm doing that particular weekend um like i said we have one first weekend of may uh first weekend of september and then we have one uh graduation weekend on uh it's like may 28th may 31st i think mm-hmm. oh no may 28th to may 30th think yeah 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 yeah. they're going to uh elizabethtown kentucky oh wow are you no i have to work unfortunately <sighs> i gotta work graduation weekend um but yeah um reenacting is just a hobby that my dad got me into and he's he's a fluent historian of civil war and how much he knows oh wow whereas me i'm the same way but with world war ii that makes sense so like if you have any questions of like world war ii or vietnam or anything else i mean i'll be Glad to answer some of those questions, also. But like, I, I'll be there honest. are there are there are so there are so many people who want to come up to us and ask, "Hey, how's the how's the tank treating for you?" I said, "Oh no, we're not in the tank. We're the guys behind the tank." And uh, we have we have so many people who just ask us a bunch of questions, and we try to give them as best answers as possible can. I've I've def I've never been um like a history nut. Like I've always thought, you know, you know, war's war, mm-hmm. and it's important to hear about it, and yep. you know. As a kid, you know, you play Call of Duty and you yeah, play, you know, Battlefield, Call yeah. of Duty. You know, it's, you play it's, like it's, all these. Yeah, it's yeah. cool to you know actually like, be a soldier. But I think I, after hearing you talk for an hour, reenacting is as close as you can get to the military without actually. Oh yeah, yes it getting is. There. Um, I was in uh, JROTC in middle school in eighth grade, and that's how I know the facing movements and everything. That's how I have. Everything drilled up here, yeah, up in my in my head. And they asked me, you know, say about face, and we turn around, do a one eighty, or right face, or we turn to the right, or all this, all these other commands that I know in my head. 
that I got taught in Miles and JROTC. So sadly yeah. my school didn't have JROTC, but <laughs> I I've they, had... they tried getting me into the army so bad and I was like, Yeah, Why? no thank you. Did you not want to join the army? Uh when I was younger, I did when I was like maybe fifth no, I was like thirteen. Yeah. Fourteen. I wanted to go into the Air Force. Yeah. Like, like I mentioned before. But um, at the same time, I know I don't have the mentality, nor do I have the physicality to go through their PT and to go through their basic training. I think the only thing of basic training I really enjoy is the firing range. Yeah. It's probably the only thing I really enjoy. But other than that, I I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I couldn't I, do it. I'm not. I'm saying, I don't knock it down at all for that because I, I do not have the mentality. Yeah. Physicality, yeah, yeah, I got. It. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I joke around with my parents all the time. I'll join the army just for a workout, just for a workout. <laughs> yeah, because I would love the push-ups, the runs, yeah, the, the obstacle courses, the martial. Because I, I right. train martial arts right now. I got you. So, um, like, I mean, I've already, yeah, I do a lot of that, but the just the mentality of it, I yeah. couldn't do it, but. I really, I really do want to, I really do want to do reenacting. Yeah. I, if someone was trying to get into it, like, uh, like how would they like go to join? Um, well, um, essentially like if you know people, like say, you know me, yeah. uh, you can talk, contact me or, and then I can contact Zach who's our commanding officer and our, you know, squad leader. Yeah. And you can get in contact with him and talk to him about it. Um, with me, I just, I got it off Isaiah. I got my uniform from... Well, I didn't get my uniform from him. I bought the stuff I needed for the uniform from him because he went to eBay, got all the stuff yeah. off eBay or off of uh, At The Front, which is a site where a lot of reenactor stuff is and a lot of reproductions are. Um, good luck trying to find originals because the originals can be very expensive yeah. and can be very hard to find and can be very um, rough to get depending on you know manufacturer, when it was made, yeah. all this and that. Um but yeah. So, you know, if you have, if you're, if you're wanting to get into reenacting, go to a reenactment and kind of just, yeah, and just, get, yeah, and just get to know. Yeah. yeah. Talk to people, ask, you know, a bunch of questions, and talk to, uh, you know, look like, for the important guys. Yeah. Look, yeah. Look for, <laughs> look for, look for the U S guys. Or if you want to talk to the German guys, more power to you because their uniforms are a lot more expensive than ours. Cause I, I've looked at, I won, I, I first wanted to do German. Yeah, because I knew a little bit of German. I knew how to, I understood it, mm -hmm. and I knew the language. Like, and then I saw the the amount for the uniform. Like, say a full German uniform kit and all would cost you about fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars, just <laughs> just to just to play German for you know that's a, three times a year, two yeah, times a year. And I'm like, no, I'd, I'd rather spend the 200, 250 bucks on my U.S. impression. I'd rather spend, <laughs> I'd rather spend it. I'd rather go to Goodwill and get my vehicle. Yeah, get yeah, get the, yeah, get the, uh, the WC impression. Um, well, there there have been instances where we have actually had a guy go over to Goodwill and actually get you know long black pants and a long black t shirt, and he had a uh, I think he had a satchel. Yeah, and that's all he that's all he brought with him. He didn't have a rifle, nothing. That's all he brought with him. With me, I have my my Mosin, which is a bolt action Russian weapon and I have a Russian belt yeah with uh, a gas gas mask bag dangling on the side I got a canteen I got a Polish combat knife and I got uh, ear protection in one little flap and uh, and like bandages and that flap and I have uh, three pouches full of ammunition and these pouches carry about 15 rounds 
of each triple clip. So you have 15, 30, you have 45 rounds of ammunition to fire at your will or fire whenever you like, whenever you need to. Um, that ammo is now starting to get hard to find, and I can't find any of it, unfortunately. Oh, no. So, <laughs> thanks, Biden. Um, anyway, anyway. Well, <laughs> um, we have really appreciate you having on the podcast. No problem, dude. Anytime. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming out and talking to us. Yeah. And uh, I wish Peyton could have been here because <laughs> we would have went on for an extra hour or two. <laughs> yeah, you guys. I'm I'm not much of a I'm not much of a history nut. Yeah. And. And so I, I played the games, you know, the shooting games. But yeah, <laughs> it's um, I enjoy listening to someone that about listening to someone talk about what they're passionate about. Yeah, and I can tell that you have a lot of passion for reenacting, and it, it, you hold it, you yeah. hold it dear to your heart, mm-hmm. and that's really awesome. It's the same thing with music too. Like, like I'm I'm into uh, I'm into music as well, and you know, being passionate about that for years and years and years. Yeah, you know, being happy about it, and then going out to to a recording session and actually getting it down just no really there's there's a there's a different there's a different vibe you get when you actually get behind the microphone yeah and actually start recording and it is it is a it's like oh shit i'm actually doing this yeah and, <laughs> and, that, same, and that same thing can be applied to your reenactment like yeah. i'm actually on the battlefield i'm in a half track yeah i'm behind a, a live tank that's driving yeah you know i'm in the full outfit I'm in, I have, you know, I have the gun in my hand. Yeah. It's loaded. Yeah. That's, see what we do for, before we go on the field, we make sure our rifles are not like, there's nothing in the chamber. Yeah. We make sure they're on, they're on their safety setting or whatever. Mm-hmm. We make sure nothing is loaded before you go out in the field. Cause you don't want to, you know, blow someone's head off essentially. Cause yeah. we're, we're so close to each other getting ready to go into the fight. Yeah. So we either, we put it on, we load one in the chamber and put it on safe or, like for the Springfield, you can stick all those five rounds down, close your bolt, yeah, like halfway, get all the way in there, pull your firing pin, and it won't go off. Mm-hmm. And then you can just rechamber around when you're ready on the field. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is. But, it's 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 a fun hobby, and it's something yeah. that I, I really enjoy doing, and I've been doing it for three years. Yeah, and that's and that's what that's what life is about. It's mm-hmm. about going out there and doing those things. Like you know, my thing's running. You know, right. I've ran six half marathons. I ran a triathlon. Oh, I've run uh, five key obstacle races. And in July, I'm actually running my first uh, full marathon. Really? No yeah. kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, like, everyone, and then, you know, I work out quite a bit. And, you know, I, I've traveled to places just to work out at gyms. Right. And so, I mean, <laughs> I understand what you mean by, like, you know, whenever you become passionate, it's all it's all you think about. Mm-hmm. and. My my thing has been fitness, and it clearly says that yours yeah. is history and <laughs> yep. reenactment and yep. World War Two uh, para, para, paraphernalia. Paraphernalia. What's that word? Um. That's that's not the word. No, it's not the word. I don't even know what we're thinking about. Uh, yeah, that's not. Uh, <laughs> oh, World War Two memorabilia. Memorabilia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I had I had the word. <laughs> I did. I paraphernalia. That's bad. I know that's bad. I know, it. I, know, I know that's horrible, and I can't think of what it means. I might have to cut that out. But uh, what we have? What were two memorabilia? Um, memorabilia. Yeah, no, we no. go out to those vendors, and uh, we actually we actually go over there sometimes to just see just just a look, just to yeah. look what they got. Um. 
Sometimes they might have like old coins from the war, or they might have old medals from the war, or they might have actual like a rifle for sale mm-hmm. or ammunition or um, say you need a helmet. They might have a helmet. Yeah. For sixty plus dollars, eighty plus dollars. Oh. Or yeah. if you need ammunition, they got a bag full of ammunition for fifty-five, sixty dollars. You mm-hmm. know, whatever you need, they they pretty much got it. Um, but mm-hmm. there there have been instances where uh, like at the World War One event we had. This pad just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, there were no vendors at all. Really? Yeah, there weren't any vendors. And I went over. I went over there, and uh, they had they were reenacting a scenario. We have they have an actual uh, mortar pit. Yeah. That they that we that they built out of uh, sand and sand and wood. I think it's what it was. And we had to put sandbags on the hill. And these sandbags are about fifty. 30, 50 pounds. Yeah. We're carrying at a time, one at a time, to the emplacement to cover up, you know, whatever's missing, whatever, you know, needs sandbag over. Yeah. And we actually did all that that weekend. And I I will say doing that was my workout. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that shit ever again. And I I, I immediately was like, hey, you guys need any help tearing down? Yeah. So I helped them tore down. And I'd, then, be, I'd be the grunt. <laughs> yeah. Carrying carrying six bags at a time. Six, <laughs> six, yeah. Carrying Carrying six sandbags, yeah, 300 300 pounds of sand just going and setting them down on top of each other one by one by one because that's how they that's how we did it. We would lay one out uh, vertically and maybe do three rows and then the other way would go sideways Mm -hmm. and then we'd do that all throughout all around the artillery piece or all around the mortar pit. So they had maybe three quarters of the no, they had halfway finished and we finished it out that day. Oh wow! And that. That took some work and some manpower, I will say. Um, but being it was a reenacting, you gotta be. You gotta, you gotta be, be. Well, I wasn't even in uniform. I was yeah. just there spectating. Yeah. But oh. you know, I, as a volunteer, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do to get stuff looking right. Yeah. You know, so I was like, yeah, you know, I'll go ahead and. Oh, I'll, I'll help I'll, you. I, I originally said I was like, I'm not in uniform. I don't gotta do it. Oh yeah, you just volunteered. Who volunteered? Who volunteered me? I look over as he was pointing directly at me. Son of a bitch. Yeah. So I, I, I'm wearing a hoodie. As soon I'm as wearing you, jeans. I'm ready for, you know, cold weather. As soon as you said <laughs> uh, who volunteered me, I was thought, oh, yeah, I'm buddy. Yeah. I, I looked I over say, yeah. and he's and he's in, and he's he's smirking. in he's in uniform and smiling. I'm like, <laughs> dude, are you shitting me? And he goes, come on, let's get the lift and get the filling. I was like, you got to be <laughs> fucking kidding me. So I'm opening these sandbags and he's taking his original t-handle shovel mm-hmm. and putting in the bags oh, until wow. i got about halfway three quarters full and then we'd lift them you know we'd walk all the way about maybe not even 10 feet 15 feet away yeah and we walk over sit it down go back refill another bag go back tag it refill from him rinse and repeat rinse and yeah. repeat rinse and repeat and then like three o'clock rolls around they're getting ready to do another battle and so i have finally some time to rest 15 minutes later the battle's over all right, let's get back. You fucking kidding me? I just sat down. Yeah, put back. <laughs> so they they they're shoveling, they're putting sand in, and we go back and do it. And it's just, it was a workout. I will say, we actually had uh, in the first battle of World War One. Switching topics. Uh, in the first battle of World War One, they actually had a biplane fly over. Really? Do a strafing run. That's awesome. And it was flying like real low level. We're talking treetop level. 
maybe a little further down across the battlefield. Now, how do they how do they how do they reenact that where it's Well, it's just going across the field. It's not really hitting anybody. Uh, it's just going it's just doing a strafing run across. If you're in the, the shadow, field. you're dead. <laughs> no, no, like it like it wasn't like if you were in that space then yeah, but it mainly had a uh oh, I wish this was actual blank fire, but it was a uh, it's a propane powered machine gun essentially inside yeah. the uh, inside the uh, uh inside the plane. And you you could hear the the firing of the machine gun. That's awesome. As it comes down, and you can hear the noise of the engine too, just coming down, doing a strafe, go back up and do another, new another turn around, and then come back, do a strafing run, and fly off. That'd be horrifying. It was it it looked cool for the crowd, but as mentioned, I looked over to the German side and I thought, oh shit, they got a. They're gonna have a field day. Yeah, dude. I, <laughs> um, I, you know, as bad as that, that's what actually happened. We they actually had dogfights of biplanes above the battlefield, above no man's land. Yeah. And the Germans and you know the British and Americans were all fighting across no man's land, and the planes were all over. The planes all over. And all bullets player, are bullets dogfighting. Are... Bullets are flying over. You got shrapnel from artillery coming over. You got. No war is hell, and that's what a lot of veterans do say, and that is the truth. I mean, you go back and look at all these documentaries they made of World War II and Vietnam. Mm -hmm. You look at some of the footage, and it was one of the most, it's one of the most gruesome things to ever watch. And it is one of the most gruesome things to remember, unfortunately. But, like we said before, you know, we stuff we have to remember Mm -hmm. to make sure that we don't, that doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it, you know. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes it, that's what, that's what makes people. It's what makes it worth it. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. What the fuck is going on? Oh, he was booking it. Yeah. He was booking it. Anyway. We got a... We got a... We have a cool black, everybody. Cool black. Cool yeah. Black. <laughs> we have cool police and fire. But, uh... Um, but thanks for, uh... Thanks for coming out. And problem, talking. Dude. Um, you know, plug your stuff. Yeah. You um, well, I don't really... I mean, I'm hopefully, uh... Gonna record more on my YouTube channel. Um, YouTube.com slash LilFuzz13. L-I-L underscore F-U-Z-Z. Uh, underscore one three. Um, go ahead and sub to that, I guess. Um, I got, I really don't have a whole lot of plugins cause I'm, I'm still working on stuff behind the scenes of what I'm doing. So uh, as I yeah. had you listened to before, yeah. um, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> you guys haven't heard it yet because it's still in the works. Um, I, I will let you guys know whenever it's finished and I will, uh, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll definitely plug it whenever it's completely done. So, yeah. <laughs> but, um, Anything else uh, um, you got to add? Not really, no. I think that's all I think that's all I really have for the sash. It's really all I got. All right. Well, so. <laughs> everyone have a great day and go out and be great. See Amen. ya.